Hey bassoonists, are you looking to ramp up your reed making? Well, Barton Kane has the solution for you. They offer over 60 variations of precision gouged, shaped, and profiled bassoon cane. Use coupon code free shipping for orders over $150. This includes international orders. Go shop now at www.bartoncane.com. So I want to talk to you guys about Singin' Dog Double Reads. Singin' Dog Double Reads is an online double read shop and one of the largest suppliers of high quality and affordable professional and student reads for oboe and bassoon in the USA. Visit them at www.singindog.com to see all of their products and you'll be glad you did. That's Singin' Dog Double Reads. Hi, I'm Galit Kaunitz. And I'm Jackie Wilson. And you're listening to Double Read Dish. A podcast for oboists, bassoonists, and the people who love them. We're going to talk about double read friendships today. Do you have any special double read friends? Well, I Hint. have one. <laughs> Don't hurt my feelings. <laughs> well, and I feel like such a moron because we have never thought of this as a dish topic yet. We're coming <laughs> quickly upon two years of doing this podcast and there, <laughs> there have been some episodes that we've been like, what are we going to talk about? And... <laughs> Our favorite, like one of our things we bonded the most over in our friendship is this podcast called Call Your Girlfriend, which is literally like a weekly ode to the importance of friendship. (laughs) And they were like, we're going to do an episode where we hear your stories about friends. And I was like, ding, ding, ding. (laughs) (laughs) Why haven't we done this yet? (laughs) Oh, so... Can I say that one of my favorite memories of our friendship is you? Like sometimes I'll feel a little bit low and I'll call you and you will immediately just start screaming positive affirmations at me and it makes me feel so happy. (laughs) I feel like this is a really key component of our friendship because one of the things I appreciate most about you (laughs) is that I am a very like rant-oriented individual. I have been told I skew toward the intense. And and a lot of my humor is just, it's a little bit more snarky. It's a little more sarcastic. (laughs) And you and my husband, and I feel like it's a trend between people who I'm closest to in this life, just laugh at it. It's really funny. Jackie just starts screaming about something and I just crack up. It's so funny because you're this tiny little person just screaming. (laughs) Well, and I feel like for other people, it could be like just not their thing. And for you, Uh and I feel like your wife is a lot like that too, just kind of more (laughs) of a snarky, like Uh cynical commentary on the world. And it just tickles Mm -hmm. you. And uh, (laughs) I, I love that my rantings tickle you. It really fills a need deep inside me, in my psyche. 
And that's a lot of, I feel like how I show love, whether I mean to Uh or not, but when someone's like, I'm not believing in myself or I'm struggling with this thing, I'll be like, no, listen to me. You're important and you can do this thing and you're the best and I love you. Exactly. (laughs) I feel like it might not work perfectly for like every single personality. Probably not. I call it the inspire a scream. <laughs> well, and shout out to my other, you know, dear oboe friend, Laura Medisky, who is also a giant fan of the inspire a scream and <laughs> will literally like send me a text message. that's like, I'm going to need an inspire a scream. Like the way that, you know, churches say, what's a prayer request? Uh-huh. Laura will send me like inspire a scream requests. And then mm-hmm. I'll either like text her back or leave on her voicemail. Like, you're not allowed to doubt yourself ever. And, like, it just, <laughs> I don't know. It works. And so, hey, listeners out there, if you ever need me to inspire a scream at you, just drop us an email. I've, you know, I'm an equal opportunity um, rant and screamer for the betterment of our double read world. I'll do that. Part. It really works. It really <laughs> makes me feel better. <laughs> so I mentioned Laura. What other double read friendships have been formative in your life? Oh, man. When I was an undergrad at the Hart School, we had a small studio. I think there were four or five of us, and they were my best friends. It was so much fun. Darren and I would make reads together late at night in the read room and he would crack me up. It was so funny. And then Charles and Ling Fei and Darren and I took a trip to Montreal one time and had a weekend in Montreal. And it was the best. It was the absolute best. We just all like got each other and supported each other and hung out. And it was just awesome. So shout out to all the double read friends out there. Man, I remember one time I was like, Charles, can I play this excerpt for you? I don't even remember what it was. And he was like, yeah, sure, definitely. And I played it for him. And all he said was, "Um, why don't you try recording yourself and listen back? And then I did. I was like, okay, Mr. Cryptic. And I did. And I was rushing so much that it was like you had put me on fast forward. (laughs) It was really funny (laughs) listening back. And I was like, very good, Charles. Very good. (laughs) I would also love to shout out all the Iowa bassoons. I love all the Iowa bassoons. Gustavo, Sarah Wildey, Stephanie Patterson, uh, Kevin Judge, everybody. All love for my fellow Hawkeye bassoons. Well, we got some really great submissions when we asked on our social media for people to send in their double read friendships. Mm -hmm. So this one comes from Melissa and it's so sweet. I have to read it. I have gone back to grad school for bassoon performance in my 40s and I would be lost without my double read buddy, Jay Hernandez, 94. I may be twice his age, but double the years isn't a problem when you have double the reads. It's so cute. I just love intergenerational friendships and this is so sweet. Um, We also got a lot of people just tagging each other with like heart emojis and friendship emojis, which is great. We love the support. My favorite submission was kind of collectively Matt, Andy, and Tori talking about read room baked potato days. And they said on baked potato days, they would have 
a legit baked potato bar. So he says, um, we decided one day that we wanted potatoes. So everyone in studio brought a topping and we baked them in multiple crock pots in the read room. And so I guess they just ate baked potatoes while they made read. <laughs> and, you know, if I was going to like base a whole read class around a snack experience, I don't know if I would go straight to baked potato if I'm being totally honest. <laughs> <laughs> I can think of a couple of snacks that I would probably prioritize over baked potato, but I'm not judging. And uh, we're a big fan of snacks in this family, so. Yeah. Let us snack. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) So I love this one too from Lauren. It says, I found out that my best friend since kindergarten also chose oboe at the instrument tryout day. I've been competing with the same oboist for years. We're friends now and it's awesome. We both take from the same teacher, participate in the state youth orchestra, and even have the same let it snowbow sweater. I think this is a really important thing to highlight on and I'm not trying to get all serious on a otherwise fun dish, but I feel like sometimes it can be easy for within a studio or within an instrument group for competition to kind of get in the way of a potential Mm -hmm. friendship. And I loved this submission kind of talking about how, you know, what was initially a competitive relationship really evolved and turned into something that they bonded over. And I thought that Mm -hmm. was just like very high five worthy. I love it. When I see my students doing that, taking care of each other and and supporting each other and competing at the same time, I almost cry. I love it so much. Right. You don't want to miss a chance to learn from each other. And competition is a realistic part of what we do, but we don't need to bring it into parts that it doesn't necessarily have to be and lose out on all these great friends. Oh, it's so great. Double read friendships forever. If you're a bassoonist who needs great quality reeds, look no farther than Go Bassoon. Handcrafted by Lee Miller Munoz, these reeds are both high quality and affordable. She also makes contrabassoon reeds. You can find Go Bassoon at www.gobassoon.com. So we all know that Genda Industries is known for their reed knives, sharpening, and overall amazing quality in the double reed world. But there is so much more going on at Genda Industries. Did you know that you can get oboe and bassoon reeds from Genda Industries at the Artisan Mall? The Genda Industries Artisan Mall, it's like a farmer's market, and it's filled with talented local and regional reed makers selling their own reeds. It's a great way to try out some new reeds from new makers, and who knows, one day maybe your reeds will be for sale. Add the code DRDGENDA, that's all capitals, no spaces, at checkout, and get 10% off any Genda reed knife, maintenance kit, reed knife sharpening book, cutting block, and read tool row. Visit them at agendaindustries.com. Oh, and they're much more than just read knives. We are so delighted to welcome to the podcast Katarzynas Dibelnam, soloist of the Symphony Orchestra of the Wroclaw Philharmonic. Welcome, Katarzyna. Hi, everybody. Nice to be here. We're so happy you could join us. Uh, I always love to start by asking how you came to start playing the bassoon. Well, it's a quite simple story. I, uh, first day I start, started uh, flute and uh, I hated uh, practicing flute because I thought it's uh, so exhausting 
And uh, I, I think I never um, breathe good on flute because I was always tired and uh, I was discouraged uh, with uh, this issue. I think I was good with uh, theory, but uh, with flute playing, I, uh, it wasn't anything special. So uh, when I tried to um, pass my exams to secondary music school, uh, I failed with flute, but with theory, it was... Uh, it was really good, so uh, I was offered to change instrument because maybe flute was not my instrument. And then I uh, had a wonderful teacher, uh, his name is Jerzy Lisak, in Secondary School of Music in Zamość. And uh, mm, he started, of course, with teaching me how to breathe properly. And I think uh, this was the way uh, when I, uh, how I started to enjoy, um, enjoy playing a wind instrument, yeah, because I was, uh, uh, it was just a, a pleasure to, to blow uh, naturally into the instrument and uh, I, I started to love practicing. This was how it started. Could you talk to us about embarking on becoming a professional bassoonist and your career trajectory up through today? Uh, I wasn't uh, convinced uh, until studies uh, in uh, Warsaw University of Music. Uh, I wasn't convinced uh, that I really will become like professional bassoon player because uh, it's it was uh, it's it, it's always is uh, very difficult to get job on any instrument, yeah? So I wasn't sure if I will, after my studies, I will become bassoonist. And I never dream, dreamed about be becoming soloist, of course, when I, uh, when I was even at studies. Uh, so I think when I, uh, after um, I finished my studies in Warsaw University of Music, uh, I got my job. It was a surprise in the Wrocław Philharmonic Orchestra. And then, yeah, then I thought that finally I'm professional. Can you talk to us more about the audition process for the Wrocław Philharmonic? Uh, well, uh, yeah, I was uh, very anxious, of course. It was uh, just after studies. It was my second audition. Uh, and uh, I practiced, I don't know, for one month, uh, I don't know, four hours every day or only excerpts and Mozart. I was really focused only on this audition, nothing else. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I um, I was just, uh, yeah, I must say I was just focused on this one audition and uh, I was completely out of uh, any other um, activities. You're also incredibly successful in the competition setting. You've won numerous international competitions. Americans will be very familiar with the Jalay Fox competition, which you won in um, 2012. So I would love to ask maybe even a few questions about your experience competing. Um, maybe we could start off by having you talk to us about how you go about preparing for a competitive environment uh, well, it's uh, it's very complicated question actually because there are many factors to prepare uh, competitions. Yeah, firstly uh, you have to know repertoire. Uh, secondly, uh, sometimes uh, it's important to play by heart. It's required yeah to play by heart. And uh, third uh, factor is uh, yeah stress of course, which uh, I uh, as everybody probably or mostly of us has some problems. So which I also had to face. 
and uh, I um, for myself when uh, I I was a student I was maybe 20 years old uh, I really felt that uh, stress is uh, making my performance uh, much worse than I can perform uh, so I started to think, what can I do to solve this problem? And uh, I thought that, yeah, I have problems with uh, cold hands uh, or shaking hands mm -hmm. and also with concentration. So I thought maybe uh, some physical uh, exercises are, are, would be good. So I figured out that uh, I will do some gymnastics. Uh, like half an hour before performance and I will see how it works and uh, it occurred that it worked very, worked very well like a small uh, small amount of exercises and uh, my hands are warm and uh, I'm much more focused so uh, yeah I'm, I'm doing these exercises before uh, every important concert uh, until now oh interesting yeah uh, also, I think uh, breathing exercises are quite important before uh, important performance because uh, uh, it helps me to be, to keep focus, uh, to be focused on what I will perform in a moment. And uh, I'm trying to reduce all uh, small talks with uh, conductors or with my colleagues before important performance. I try to be uh, just alone and I try to focus on uh, on myself to make um, breathing exercises, just a few, but it really gave, gave uh, me um, more confidence on stage and uh, more focus on stage, because I remember performances when I just couldn't think about uh, music, I was thinking about uh, everything else, uh, not about the music, this was just terrible. And now I must say, I, I, I'm focused on stage, I'm, not, I'm thinking about the music. The breathing exercises um, that you were talking about, is it similar to what somebody might learn in yoga or where did you find the exercises and um, yeah, I guess yeah. just where did you find them? <laughs> <laughs> yes, this, uh, this is uh, American school of breathing. Oh. Uh, this is, uh, it's called uh, breathing gym. Uh, it's by uh, two uh, tuba players, uh, Patrick oh, Sheridan and... Yeah, it's incredible, and uh, I I am um, I'm doing it uh, since I don't know ten years, maybe eight, and it gives a fantastic uh, fantastic effects. Also, I'm uh, uh, encouraging my students to do these exercises, especially the first uh, first CD. I don't know if you know the CDs. Mm -hmm. There are two at least. And I, I started with first CD, then I bought second CD, and it's absolutely fantastic. That's amazing. I had heard yeah. of this before, but it's sort of, it's been a while and I, you know, I never followed through on looking it up. So I'm really glad that you brought that back into my attention because it seems like that would really be super helpful for your mental state going into a competitive scenario. Yeah. Uh, then uh, the uh, issue of repertoire, yeah. I'm trying to, uh, because at uh, mostly co big competition, there, are, there is a choice of uh, repertoire. So, uh, sometimes not. In America, I think there was not so big choice. No, no, there was no choice at, at IDRS uh, competition. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm always choosing repertoire, which is not challenge for me, but repertoire, which is uh, very, I would say, very comfortable for me. 
so that I don't, uh, I'm, uh, well, uh, competition is special time. I, I don't want to uh, learn all rep new repertoire, but mm -hmm. what I can play, and I know that I can play it uh, quite okay, I, I'm choosing it. And I'm never, I'm never exp experimenting with new repertoire uh, uh, on competition. I'm, I would say, very um, careful about uh, repertoire uh, so that uh, because I will uh, anyway I will have to prepare a few new pieces and I, I must uh, have as much time as possible to to feel comfortable with repertoire. Another aspect of the competitions you've participated in is that sometimes you have to travel exceedingly large distances to get to the competitions. How does travel impact your preparation? And I, I just would guess that that would be a big consideration or something you'd have to deal with traveling so far. How did that impact your experience? Mm, well, it, it wasn't so a big deal. Even uh, well, Gilad, uh, Gilad Fox uh, competition was uh, kind of special because <laughs> actually I wanted to tell you about this because it's, it was a uh, <laughs> funny story. Uh, it was somehow it was beginning of holiday in Europe and uh, uh, all flights were like delayed and uh, I missed my flight uh, uh, connection to America. So I had to stay, I think, in Frankfurt. Yeah, I started overnight, which meant that I will be one day later at competition. But still, I had like uh, two, one or two days. I, I know that I will uh, arrive earlier. Uh, so I uh, finally I arrived, I don't know, one or let's say two days earlier. Uh, it occurred that my luggage didn't come. Uh, so it was, uh, I was actually scared because I was in the summer uh, skirt, jeans skirt, and uh, the suit was not uh, at all uh, f good for <laughs> competition. <laughs> I didn't have uh, any time to, you know, do shopping because it was in Ohio, I don't know, they, uh, this uh, Oxford University, it was uh, uh, far from any shops. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, so I was so scared and uh, so stressed because it was also video recording. Yeah, mm -hmm. I was so stressed that uh, I will look bad, and uh, my luggage didn't come, my uh, tools didn't come, and I don't know how about reads. I was so stressed, and uh, finally I found a tiny shop somewhere near the uh, university. And I bought uh, any black dress that <laughs> was available. Yeah, and uh, any shoes, because I had just sports shoes. I <laughs> felt so bad, I must say. And uh, I felt, uh, uh, yeah, and uh, I had, uh, then it was fine. I had a um, rehearsal with pianist and I felt, okay, I will be ready. And uh, the night before competition, I think I didn't sleep uh, two hours because uh, I, I had a headache because of time change and I was stressed. It was terrible. And when I uh, woke up at uh, uh, five o'clock, I think it was five o'clock US time, I think uh, I thought, I, I, how, I, how the hell I'm going to play it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, I had headache. I felt so bad. So finally I thought, uh, 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 anyway, I, I, I have to play it. And uh, it doesn't matter how it goes. It's it's not the end uh, of the world if I will not play the best. Uh, 
And uh, with this feeling, I went on stage. I, I didn't look so good, I, I think. <laughs> but I, I played more or less fine, and uh, I was focused, and I, enjoy, I even enjoyed on stage. So, you know, uh, I think it's not... It's not uh, let's uh, not make uh, preparation uh, to, like... Uh, let's not make tra uh, travel and all this... Uh, things around the uh, uh, competition, like uh, preparation, how I will look. We should make it uh, the most important thing. Sometimes just let it go and go on stage and uh, play. Yeah? This is the only way, because uh, environment is not uh, fantastic for us all every day, and our reads are changing. So there are so many factors that are not perfect at the day of competition. Yeah. So I think uh, we should just, uh, at some point, uh, go there and uh, don't think too much. Just let it go. Oh, that is great advice. <laughs> <laughs> so you have done so well in so many different competitions, it would take a long time to list all of them. What have you learned through competitions and why, why is it important for young people coming up to participate? Uh, I think the most important thing is to uh, learn uh, repertoire and uh, secondly to uh, listen to other players uh, and the uh, first thing is to uh, listen to your comments especially from uh, listen to comments on, on your playing especially from jury because uh, then you only then you can develop and you can uh, uh, you know what to aspire to in future what uh, what uh, um, what else you can reach, like uh, you like a uh, different player uh, tone or different player uh, interpretation. So it's always worth to, to go to competition. Even uh, I never actually thought about uh, winning uh, competition when I went there. I, it was only, uh, I went there only, uh, it was challenge for me to uh, compete with uh, other great players. And uh, actually I... Uh, I would, like 10 years ago, I would never think that uh, I, I win um, I, uh, a Jilt Fox competition. It was just my dream, and uh, I was just lucky, <laughs> I think. Uh, I, I, like, I'm never thinking about competition like it's my goal to win it. No, it's, it's my goal to go there and play as good as possible and to develop as much as possible. I, I did my last competition uh, two years ago in 2016. It was Matthew Ruggiero competition. And uh, it was also a challenge because, <laughs> yeah, it was special. I was, uh, it was an online competition. Mm -hmm. And uh, by, at the time when they announced it, I was pregnant. And I thought uh, it would be a pity not to do this competition because it would be it will be probably my last competition. I, I'm turning 35 uh, this year, so I thought it will be it will be my last competition. And I, I really should try it. And it's video. I don't have to do anything else. Yeah, but then I was pregnant, and uh, it was also also I think cool because I have now uh, this recording of, of first second round competition. Uh, first round it was uh, Mozart uh, concerto, and second round it was Gandolfi uh, competition. And, uh, and in the second round I was uh, I don't know it was seven months of my uh, <laughs> wow. of pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so but still i think well maybe it's uh, uh, it's not uh, as um, uh, as 
let, let me think about the word. Mm, maybe it's not uh, extremely energetic because uh, I, I had a really big belly. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yeah, but still, I, I, you can see that I'm enjoying and uh, I, I like this recording because it's great memory. And then the final round of uh, this uh, Matthew Roger competition, I recorded when my son was uh, five months. Uh, and uh, I, although I didn't really, I didn't have so much time to practice because I was breastfeeding and uh, I was all the time at home at this time, uh, my mother helped me. Um, I thought uh, it was, uh, I, I didn't need uh, so much time to prepare as I wouldn't, uh, as I would if I'm not, uh, I'm not um, having baby. So yeah, it always depends. There is no rule, but uh, if I will practice, I don't know, five hours every day, I will win competition because this competition, I really didn't. Uh, when I was pregnant, I couldn't practice, of course, five hours before. And after, uh, uh, when my son was there, uh, I also didn't have, have time to practice. I just was uh, focused during this two or three hours. I, I was focused on uh, practicing. You had to be a lot more efficient. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So you are a soloist and you are an orchestral player. And my question about that is, do you notice that there is a difference between how you can express yourself in an orchestra and how you can express yourself uh, in a solo situation? Well, this is a hard question, I would say, because uh, I, I was thinking about this question actually a lot because uh, there are some rules. I, I was a member of uh, quite many orchestras uh, during these years, and uh, every orchestra is like organism, and they, they have uh, their own taste maybe, and uh, when I was... Uh, uh, principal bassoonist of Lausanne, Lausanne Chamber Orchestra in Switzerland. Uh, I thought they don't like uh, like uh, they, they don't like uh, too much expression. I thought, and uh, I have to keep uh, some emotions inside. I don't have to. I can't show too much because other players also don't show too much. Mm-hmm. But uh, for example, in Denmark, uh, in the Royal Danish Orchestra. Uh, yeah, they were so cool. We enjoyed playing so much, and nobody told anything. <laughs> and uh, in Wrocław, also, I I feel that uh, um, I can do, I can play uh, as I want, and uh, I, I I don't have to uh, to you know to look around and thinking. But if it's okay for orchestra, I'm I'm just uh, I just feel good in the orchestra, and I I play as I as I love. To play, yeah. So uh, I, 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 in Wrocław Symphony Orchestra, I feel at home, like at home, and uh, I just uh, play naturally. But uh, still, it's uh, of course not uh, not ex- this expression as uh, I play uh, solo. Also, when I, I play solo, of course, there are uh, different uh, kinds of pieces, and I play differently. Mozart concerto, I play differently. Um, Rossini concerto and uh, I play differently we have, we have a wonderful Polish uh, concerto uh, Andrzej Panownik Basen concerto which, uh, which requires uh, incredible expression because it's very tragic concerto so mm. you know it always depends I listen to your recordings and there is so much conviction in the style and in the phrasing and I find 
a lot of times, especially students, but even professionals are hesitant to take musical chances. Was that something you had to work on or is that something that came naturally to you? How did you develop that unique ability that stands out so much in your playing? Well, so I think uh, I, uh, I think every style of music requires a different approach and also requires uh, we should th- we should think what uh, what style we play firstly yeah? and uh, how uh, I also um, before recording I kind of uh, imagine myself uh, how I should sound and uh, also uh, with video recording I don't know if you see any so any video recording with me is also important uh, for, for yeah Matthew Ruggiero. That's why I'm asking because it was uh, Sensa Sonata. It was uh, all uh, online competition and all uh, audio and video competition. Yeah. So uh, in my opinion, it was also extremely important not only to play uh, good, but also to look uh, look. Uh, uh, you used a uh, good word, convention. Uh, and uh, I must say that uh, I uh, used my um, camera before official, like let's say it, uh, official recording. Uh, during uh, um, piano rehearsals, I used camera also to record uh, video, yeah? To see if uh, I look good enough. <laughs> you know, uh, and I'm not uh, talking about my hair or makeup, but... Uh, about uh, movements or if I'm moving too much or too little and um, I don't know everything else face expression and and uh, what uh, I, I always uh, what I always uh, uh, saw at my recordings was that uh, I'm not enjoying uh, well I, I enjoyed when I played I enjoyed I felt that I'm enjoying but uh, what I looked at uh, on video I didn't look like I'm enjoying, so I always uh, I kept I keep um, uh, remember keep repeating my pianist that we really should <laughs> we play good enough, but we don't look like we are enjoying the music. Uh, the important thing, uh, very simple but so important, is to smile at the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's so hard to talk about uh, myself. <laughs> I, I don't know. I play as I, I try to play as good as I can, but uh, how it sounds uh, for me, it's just my my voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you find that by expressing your voice as much as you feel called to do, as much as you want to do, do you find that you're taking a lot of risk? Mm. Well, uh, as I told, I, I play just uh, as good as I ca- as I can, and uh, I actually I never think uh, how uh, how other people will judge me. I I just think for me what I uh, what I offer it. Uh, I I'm honest with myself. It it has to be in style. In 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 my opinion, it mm-hmm. has to be in style. Uh, and uh, I don't think that I'm extreme in any case. I like I, I hear uh, these days violinists, and uh, they are much more extreme that, uh, than than we than bassoonists. So I think it's still it's. Uh, uh, I I don't take too much risk. I, I just try, especially on competition. Yeah, I just uh, I just play. Uh, I think 
I play in style. I hope <laughs> to play in style. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, I've, I wouldn't call it a risk. I just, uh, yeah. I just want to play in style because it's competition. Of course, different way it's uh, is audition, different thing uh, is uh, audition, and different thing is uh, solo playing. Yeah, mm-hmm. these are uh, these are three different uh, three different uh, um, approaches to basson playing. Completely different, I would say, because uh, audition on audition you really uh, have to be uh, like a standard player because uh, nobody wants to listen anything extreme uh, nobody wants extreme player in orchestra yeah do you know what i mean does mm-hmm. this make sense yes you just have to be standard and really perfect perfect player perfectionist this is for audition but and at the same time you play with beautiful tone very musical and uh, i think this is the way of success you have to be very convinced about your playing and uh, but still in in frames you can't be extreme at uh, uh, audition. In competition, you, you can show more and you sh- should show more. But still in bassoon, uh, we don't have so many different uh, schools, I would say, like, like in violinists. Yeah, my, my husband is violinist, so I listen quite, quite a lot to um, modern violinists or, and also to uh, old uh, school violinists and uh, they are much more extreme at competition than bassoon players. And the uh, third thing is uh, solo concerts when you you do what you want. And uh, as as I told you, you have a very special Andrzej Panovnik uh, concerto. Uh, it's uh, very tragic and uh, really it uh, requires so much uh, expression, so much tragism in music and uh, I love performing it because it's so Polish and uh, it's so tragic like uh, I don't know any other piece and uh, I'm so proud that it's uh, that it's bassoon voice uh, who is playing this so yeah there are many different ways and many different uh, like I would say occasions uh, you have all, always to think uh, uh, for who you, you play and uh, which um, uh, how how extreme or how uh, how extreme you can be and or how uh, how much you can go uh, uh, over the borders i don't know if it's good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so uh, always i'm thinking for who I, i'm playing and uh, uh, but uh, but still <laughs> I, uh, I I I'm still uh, I'm still Katarzyna Zdebelnam. I'm not trying to be anybody else. Just I'm uh, I'm honest with myself. I think that is so important to just sing your own voice. Yeah, exactly. So you teach and you have a very active performing schedule. And as you mentioned, you're a mother. So I'm yeah. curious how you approach practicing now and how you make the most of the time that you have in practice? It's special time of my life because I can't spend so much time every day on practicing and uh, always uh, it's it's, uh, a choice between uh, being mother and uh, being bassoon player, yeah? So, yeah, you have always to choose. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sometimes uh, um, when I have a solo concert, uh, I really have to be focused on playing. But uh, but still, I try. I'm so focused uh, these days. Uh, even if I have one or two 
three hours. I'm so focused that I can prepare this uh, concerto. In, uh, when I was younger, I really I had to practice so much more to to get the same effect. Or maybe I practice so much and then I don't. I <laughs> and now I don't have to practice so much. I don't. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I I would say I quit from like orchestral gigs. And uh, I not so important concerts to be with my son, and uh, I'm just taking uh, uh, the most important concerts. And uh, my students, of course, uh, are very important for me. And then I have still some t- some time, like maybe one hour for practicing, and uh, the rest day with my son. So yeah, it's uh, it's really hard, and uh, I'm every day I'm actually tired, but uh, I think it's worth. Because even since my son is here, somehow I, I did so many things. I I won this Matthew Ruggiero competition and then I recorded CD last year, which will be released this year. And then I, I played quite few solo performances. Somehow it's possible. I... It's hard to explain, but uh, <laughs> I think every mother understands me. But uh, it's uh, uh, you have to be so much more focused on work, so, so that uh, it doesn't take much time, because you need this time for your baby, and eh? he needs you. This is a double read podcast, so it would be a shame if we didn't ask about reads. Um, can you give us some advice on read making, or maybe some good advice that you've received? over the years? Mm, well, I uh, participated a uh, few um, classes on read making, when, especially when I studied uh, in Germany with Mark Engelhardt. And uh, of course, uh, wood, this is the most important. And uh, without good wood, very, very, without that, we, we can't make good read. Uh, so I think uh, important is to find good uh, wood dealer um, and uh, really, really somebody that uh, you can trust. And uh, other things like uh, mm, mm, shaping and uh, I don't know, sc- uh, scratching, 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 scraping, scraping, yeah, scraping, yeah, and profiling. This is uh, this. Uh, I never found it uh, difficult actually, and al- although I'm not. Uh, I'm not talented in you know hand uh, hand works, uh, so I think uh, it's only question of uh, question of experiment experiments with reads and uh, it's uh, I often uh, heard my heard my students complaining about reads that uh, that they don't work or something. But uh, on the other hand, we are so uh, lucky, bassoists and oboists. I think we are so lucky with. Uh, making our own voice with read, yeah? Mm-hmm. Because we can uh, create uh, so much our sound with reads. And I always feel like advantage of making reads because uh, uh, like violinists, what, what can they do to, to improve their tone? It's so difficult on violin or on piano, yeah? And with bassoon, I think I find it so easy to change color of, the, uh, of read so I don't understand actually why everybody complains about this. <laughs> I'm going to say that to all my students now too. <laughs> <laughs> so you already mentioned a couple of times this Polish concerto that you're really excited about. 
are there any other pieces of repertoire that you really love to play and any that you feel are underplayed that you'd like to tell our listeners about? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, I would also like to tell about this. It's great what you ask. I think uh, that uh, we have uh, in Boston repertoire so many pieces that uh, uh, are still not uh, played, are not discovered. And uh, in my repertoire, when I'm building my repertoire, I always try to find uh, <coughs> new pieces that are not uh, so, maybe so famous. But uh, I've already found so so many great, uh, great uh, Basin pieces. I love, um, this is one, uh, recently my favorite. Uh, this is uh, uh, Jacobi uh, Introduction and Polonaise. Yes, I'm familiar with So, uh, yeah, maybe now this is uh, quite famous, but when I started, when I discovered it, uh, it was in 2013, I think. Nobody played this piece and nobody knows, uh, none of my teachers know, knows this, know, know this piece. And uh, I, I practiced, I learned, I thought it's not so difficult and it's so... <clears throat> It uh, makes impression on audience. And uh, recently my colleague uh, from Ukraine uh, uh, sent me, uh, because originally it's uh, for bassoon and piano, and uh, my colleague sent me a version for bassoon and orchestra. Yeah, so uh, I performed it uh, with orchestra uh, three times uh, this year, or yeah, three times this year, and uh, really it's, uh, audience loves this piece, and uh, fi the final uh, last page is uh, quite uh, virtuoso, so really I, I, have, uh, so I, I have so much fun, because it's not so difficult, and our audience, you know, they love uh, <laughs> virtuoso stuff at the end and they are always so excited uh, after uh, um, Jacobi so this is yeah this is the piece which I uh, really like perform and also maybe Rossini Concerto it's uh, already quite uh, well known but here in Poland uh, uh, not so much and uh, I performed it uh, yeah, two times this year and uh, yeah also audience loved it and I hope I will perform it more often yeah, it's very underplayed, surprisingly. Yeah, it's a great piece. I, uh, I, if I have possibility, I always, I always play conductors. But yeah, we should play this piece. Let's play this piece. And yeah, no, no Vivaldi and Mozart or Weber. No, Rossini. It's such a pity. Yeah, such a pity. Can you tell us about a favorite memory of a past performance that you might have? Yeah, actually, it was, uh, I already told about <laughs> Gillette Fox competition in 2012. So, yeah, it's, it was just, uh, I was so tired. I thought I am not going, I will die on stage probably, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> so something bad will happen. And before going on, I thought before going on, so when I went and I, I even enjoyed. And uh, yeah, this was, uh, I have just, just so fantastic memory. Sometimes, you know, it's, uh, it's nice to have some difficulties because you can uh, tell, talk about this after a few years and uh, you can laugh about this. <laughs> <laughs> just wait a few years yeah. and then it becomes a good story. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what advice do you have for a young musician who would like to have a career like yours? I would say that uh, we are so lucky as bassoon players because there are so many uh, fields, so many parts of uh, uh, our profession 
<laughs> undiscovered, still undiscovered. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, uh, I, like, uh, I would say that uh, every of us can uh, find something for himself in bassoon playing, like uh, read making. Is, yeah, this is uh, this is not very. Uh, this is quite typical. But uh, for example. Uh, yeah, this year I, I thought that I want to discover Polish bassoon music uh, written in 20th century mm -hmm. because nobody plays Polish bassoon music written in 12th centuries. And uh, I even managed to get scholarship for this. So yeah, this year I will learn uh, many Polish pieces that uh, nobody plays. And I think this is idea, yeah? This is uh, already I can, uh, I have this year to, to do this and I'm very excited to do this. I don't know how about American uh, Boston music in 20th century. Maybe still also uh, there, there are pieces that are, are not uh, well known and uh, should be more uh, more played. So uh, I'm sure. Yeah, all, the same with I don't know. Let's say uh, jazz or uh, kind of jazz on bassoon. There is also there are also so many fun pieces that uh, uh, that uh, are really worth to play, and nobody does it. And when I record uh, "Jazz to Eat" uh, by Ken Cooper, I received so many emails, even uh, from American players, that uh, they would like to play this. And where where can I get the music? And then I thought uh, that, uh, yeah, maybe I should play more this kind of jazz playing because it's so light and uh, everybody enjoys it. And I found uh, that there are much more uh, jazz pieces and I don't have even time to do this. <laughs> so, yeah, I think uh, wow. everybody everybody should find, uh, well, uh, you, you should find your own way to, to be bassoonist, like because uh, nobody enjoys uh, play, playing, uh, so, uh, like listeners doesn't enjoy um, Mozart concerto so much as maybe new pieces. Yeah, there are still uh, paths that, that are that are uh, uncovered. Katarzyna, it has been so wonderful to talk to you and you have such a fresh perspective on musicianship and bassoon playing. Um, would you tell us what upcoming performances you have that you're excited about and perhaps where we can find you on the internet if you'd like us to find you on the internet? Well, uh, it's not a performance, but I would like to tell this. <laughs> Is it okay? Sure. Uh, yes. I'm going uh, to release uh, next uh, solo CD. It's actually uh, um, a CD with piano. Uh, the new CD will contain romantic music and also a few works uh, from 20th century, but uh, still uh, in romantic style. So uh, I think it will, repeat, uh, it will appear in autumn. And I'm really looking forward uh, to to have it in my hand. <laughs> I'm sure it will be also uh, uh, on the internet. It will be on Spotify and uh, you know iTunes. Uh, and uh, my first CD uh, portrait with string quartet and uh, with piano and also solo pieces. Uh, it's available also online on uh, Spotify, iTunes, some some parts on YouTube. Thank you so Thank much you. for being on Double Read Dish. It was wonderful. Thank you so much.
as always, you can follow us on any of our social media. Find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. If you want to follow us individually, she is Hello Oboe. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Hello Oboe on Instagram. And I am <laughs> Wilson Bassoon on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. And we would also love if you listen to other episodes on Google Play, iTunes, and please leave us a review. Listen on SoundCloud, YouTube. I'm just listing things now. Galit, take over. (laughs) Our next fabulous guest is the principal oboe of the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra, Liz Cook-Tishone. Jackie, time to end this nerd parade. Go make reads. Yikes.